We have an anchor. The anchor of the soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. I want to talk for a few minutes today about the devil sitting at his desk. Or, we might say, the devil's workshop, the devil's toolbox. I think about the blessings afforded us in this life. One of the great blessings that we have is the opportunity to work, to make a living, to support our family members. And in a very real way, many of us have the opportunity to go to work at least five days a week, some more. But we do so with the intent of doing our best. When I think about the devil, I think about a spiritual being sitting at his desk or maybe in his workshop and devising plans, coming up with devices that he will use to tempt us, to lead us into sin. Some of us, we take pride in our work, and we like to think that we're doing a good job and that we are making the most of the time that we have here upon this earth. I want you to understand that the devil is not just good at what he does, he's great at what he does. And he has made a living deceiving the lives of people, young and old. And so what we're talking about today is relevant to all of us, whether young or old. We all have to do battle with the devil. And ultimately, the question is, will we be successful in our battle? I want to begin by, first of all, talking about the father of temptation. And I want to begin this point by talking about the confusion over temptation. The confusion is spelled out by James. Listen to him in verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil nor does he himself tempt anyone. There is a tendency on the part of those of us who belong to the human family to sometimes make the statement that God is the culprit when it comes to the various trials that we face in this life. Back in verse 2, James talks about the various trials that confront those of us who live here on planet Earth. And those trials come in many shapes and sizes. Some more difficult than others. There are many of us that have faced a number of trials in this life. And yet there are some that because of disease or disability, the loss of a job, the loss of a loved one, 
they'll make the statement that God is responsible. Well, James is saying God is not the one responsible for the trials that you face in this life. Nor is God responsible for the various temptations that we face in this life. And they come in many shapes and sizes just as trials do. So what about the clarification about temptation? Well, James again said, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. The bottom line is the instigator of temptation is not God, it is the devil. He is identified by Peter as an adversary. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Peter said, Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary of the devil walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 6, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. So the devil is the one behind temptation. Jesus would identify him in Matthew chapter 13, verse 38, as the wicked one. And the Lord Jesus himself battled the devil. You can read of the temptations that the Lord faced in the book of Matthew chapter 4. You can also read Luke's account of the temptations that Jesus faced. One of the interesting things that Luke points out is that the devil left the Lord after Jesus successfully defended himself until an opportune time. In other words, the devil would return. He didn't give up on Jesus, nor will he give up on us. So the father of temptation, that's the devil. There's a second thing I want you to see in our study, and it has to do with the facts of temptation. And really, I want, I want you to think with me for a moment or two about the devices that the devil employs. I want to begin by calling attention to verse 14. James said, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desire, some translations say, by his own lust, and enticed. Then when lust or desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. In other words, there is a process that ultimately leads to sin, which leads to spiritual death, separation from Almighty God. Let me call attention for a moment or two to the lures that are used by the devil to tempt us. In other words, the bait. I am not a fisherman. I know that there are some of, some of you here today that like to fish. Danny Sanders, if you want to talk to somebody that knows fishing, talk to Danny. Talk to Barry Ray. They know all about fishing. What little fishing I have done, 
I have come to understand that you use different types of bait or lures to catch different types or kinds of fish. Well, that's the way the devil operates. The devil uses a number of lures. He uses various types of bait to entice us. Understanding that all of us are different. There are some similarities between all of us, but there are differences. My weakness might not necessarily be your weakness and vice versa. So what about the bait, the devices, the lures that the devil uses? Let me just share with you some of the lures that the devil uses in our world today. I want to begin by holding up a $20 bill. The devil uses money to entrap us, doesn't he? Do you remember what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6? Paul said that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money in and of itself is not wrong. But people that have a love for money, that become fixated on money, can ultimately put themselves in harm's way. Paul said those who are minded to be rich fall into a temptation and snare, and many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, which some men having reached after have pierced themselves through with many sorrows and been led astray from the faith. What Paul is saying is you need to be very careful when it comes to how you handle your money. Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 5 that those who love silver will not be satisfied with silver. What he's saying is if you have a dollar and you grow to love money, one dollar, twenty dollars, a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars is not going to satisfy you. You got one, you're going to want two. And on down the line. There are a lot of people that have sacrificed their spiritual lives on the altar of money and materialism. There are a lot of folks in our world today, they literally work seven days a week from can to can't, and it's all about making more and more money in an effort to accumulate more things, thinking that somehow the things, the money, the material goods are going to bring happiness and contentment and satisfaction. And many people typically find no satisfaction in material things or in money. There have been a lot of folks that have wasted a lot of good years because they've been so caught up trying to capture more of this stuff we call green. And let me tell you what, it'll never satisfy you. The devil wants you to think that you can never have enough of what we call money. Let me bring out another device or tool of the devil. Jack Daniels. You've seen it. Magazines. Television. 
You've seen it in storefronts, restaurants. Let me tell you, the devil uses Jack Daniels and other types of liquors. And he does it very successfully. I want to again direct some comments to our young folks. Because if you're my age and you're using this stuff, shame on you. You ought to know better. And it may be the case that I can't get to you, but I can get to them. And I want them to know that this stuff right here is called the devil's brew. It will destroy your life. It will destroy your marriage. It will destroy your career. It will destroy your physical body. It will destroy your mind. And it will destroy your relationship with Almighty God. Solomon said, wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging. And whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Let me just put it in our terms. Is a fool. That's what Solomon is saying. And let me just add to this his companion, Bud. You know Bud, don't you? Bud Light. Now sometimes people will tell you that this stuff tastes good. Baloney. The first sip of this stuff, no one will ever be able to tell me can say it tastes good. It does not taste good. Now you can acquire a taste for it, and you can't get enough of it. There are a lot of folks, they won't visit with Jack, but they'll visit with Bud, and Bud will destroy you just like Jack will. Pick your poison. I want to encourage our young people, stay away from this stuff. It will destroy you. Sometimes people say, well, it's just a beer. Well, you know a lot of folks, they start with just a beer. And then before you know it, they're running with Jack. And they're bad partners. And Bud can destroy your marriage. He can destroy your, your profession. He can destroy your physical life. He can destroy your mind. He can destroy everything that you've worked for, just like Jack can. You need to think about that. Don't let your friends tell you you need to drink. Foolish. Foolish. Tell them, I know better. I know what the Bible says. Let me bring out another device that the devil uses. You ever seen a syringe? You know, there are a lot of folks today. Jack won't do it. Bud won't do it. But Anita will. Don't think because you live in Olive Branch or because right now you won't use a needle, that opportunity won't come your way. It will. Could I tell you about a 19-year-old fellow I went to school with that I worked with at Coca-Cola? That is in eternity today because of a needle, just a needle and a spoon and death. Take you out of this world. You know, if I were the devil, I would want to work on young folks. I would want them to think this is where happiness is. Let me tell you what. You get a taste of this high and you'll want more. I've been told that crack or 
Meth has an incomparable high. It's almost impossible to get off of it. So what I'm saying is, if you try it, don't be surprised when down the road you got a lot of problems. If you don't think a needle will destroy your life, look at some of the folks in this community, in this city, and around the globe whose lives have been shattered by the devil's devices called a needle. It's called drugs. And by the way, Jack here, that's a drug. Bud, it's a drug. If we want to get technical. So, stay away from this stuff. Pot, you don't need to be using pot either. I know what people say about pot. It's harmless, won't hurt you. Don't believe them. Pot can lead to other things. Alcohol, other types of recreational drugs. Just pick your poison. And then, I don't want to forget about prescription drugs. Because you see, you can use these and they can destroy you just like Budweiser, Jack, a needle. The only difference is, this is legalized. Now, it might be that people get them in unscrupulous ways. If you don't think you can get addicted to these things, you are sadly mistaken. A lot of folks take these things, make them happy, get them high. You know what they do? They destroy your marriage. They'll destroy your brain. They'll destroy your relationships with your friends and your family members. And by the way, these things right here, you know what people will do in an effort to get more? They'll lie. They'll steal. They will kill. They will do whatever to satisfy themselves. Trust me. I know what I'm talking about. I've seen it. This stuff right here, you better leave it alone. I got another tool of the devil. Mr. Marlboro. You met him? Mr. Marlboro? Just a cigarette. Won't hurt you, will it? I mean, after all, it's just tobacco. We grow it. It's God's creation. Everything comes from God. What about tobacco? Again, some of you folks my age, you using tobacco? I might not be able to get you off of it. I'd like to be able to. I can't understand why you'd want to put poison in your body and destroy yourself. I can't understand why you'd want to work on your lungs and your heart. Why you'd want to use something that is a breeding ground for cancer. But I can get to these young folks. I want you to know, don't try this stuff. Just like alcohol, that first puff, you think it's going to be good? That first puff of a cigarette, does it taste good? You're kidding yourself. Tastes horrible. Horrible. Don't even start. You know, if I were the devil, I'd try to get young folks enslaved to this stuff. Just like I would alcohol and other forms of drugs. Why? Because I know if I can do that, I've got a foothold. I've got my foot in the door. And once the devil gets in the door, gets his foot in the door, he's coming in. And don't let me forget about 
Mr. Swisher, cigars. A lot of folks like to have a cigar. I put them in the same category. Cancer sticks. Kill you. Don't use these things. These are just some of the lures that the devil uses to entice, to ensnare, to bait, and to capture his prey. Here's what you need to understand. You are the devil's prey. He's after you. Peter said, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion. Listen to him. Seeking whom he may devour. You think the devil's interested in your well-being? You think he cares about you? Let me show you how much he cares about you. Let me just talk for a minute about the lies that come with sin. You see, first there are the lures to sin, and then secondly, there are the lies that accompany sin. What are those lies? The lies are, number one, that sin will not belittle you. In other words, won't make you look foolish. Let me give you a classic example of somebody. You remember Samson? Remember him? Strong man, judge in Israel. In Judges chapter 16, the Bible talks about how Delilah pestered him to the point that he told her the source of his strength. I like the term that's used in the New King James Version, she pestered him. In other words, she became an annoyance to him. That's, that's the way the devil operates. He just keeps coming. He's not going to quit. He's just going to keep coming. Samson told her the source of his strength. She had his hair shaved, head shaved rather. His strength was gone, apprehended by the Philistines. And do you know what they did? The first thing they did was put his eyes out. The next thing, he's grinding wheat for the Philistines. A job that ought to have been done by a donkey. Now you think about that. Here is the judge of Israel and he's over here grinding wheat. And then they call him in to perform for them. Treating him like a buffoon. You run with Jack, you'll act like a fool. You may, you may not think that, but you will. Seems true with Bud. You run with Bud, he'll make you a fool. You'll do foolish things. You'll do things you'll never think about doing in your right mind. That's why you need to stay off this stuff. It'll destroy you. And then I think about another lie. Not only will the devil tell you it won't belittle you, he'll tell you it won't, it won't beat you down. And that's a lie. Because Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 15, the way of the transgressor is hard. You remember the thieves that were put to death with Jesus? Why do you think they were being crucified? Because they made bad choices in life. They lived a rogue, hard life. And that's what sin does. It'll beat you down. You ever seen rain just pour? We saw it the other day. Over time, what happens? Erosion. That's what happens with, with sin. There's another thing I want you to see, and that is 
The devil wants you to believe that it won't break you. But it will. Sin will break you down. It'll beat you down, but it'll break you. wonder how many folks have lost their family because they like Bud more than they like or love their wife or because Jack was a closer companion than their mate. I wonder how many folks have lost trust between their family members because of a needle. I wonder how many folks are in the cemetery today because of a needle. I mentioned a moment ago a fellow I went to school with, worked with, and he's in eternity. I want to tell you very quickly about his funeral because you need to go there. He died in November, and it was a cold, rainy day, overcast. As we would say, it was an ugly day. And we went to the funeral home before the service, and we went in and paid our respects. And I'm looking at a fellow that's my age, maybe a year difference. He's in a casket. He's not going to walk again. He's not going to talk again. He's not ever going to have the opportunities that I've enjoyed through the years because of this choice. We had a graveside service. I never will forget standing underneath that tent, around that tent, on that cold, overcast, drizzly, ugly day. The preacher was up, and he was delivering the eulogy. And that boy's father sat right in, right, just right in front of me. And that boy's daddy cried his eyes out. He was inconsolable. He was shaking. He was crying so bad. All these years, I've never forgotten that. That's what this stuff will do to your family. It will break their heart. It will devastate them. Don't tell me this stuff's okay. This stuff is right out of the devil's toolbox. And it will destroy you. Lock, stock, and barrel. So what you've got to do is decide. Am I going to say yes or no? You see, the thing about the devil is, he's not going anywhere until Jesus comes. So as long as we're here on earth, we're going to be battling. And he's taken a lot of captives. And I hope and pray that he doesn't have you in his clutches. If you're not a Christian and you're trying to battle the devil, let me just tell you straight up, you're losing the battle. Because he has you. What you need to do is obey the gospel. Because you see, right now, he's your spiritual father. Jesus said in John 8, 44, You are of your father the devil, 
and the lust of your father you will do. Why not make God your father? Well, how do you do that? Well, first of all, you've got to put your faith and trust in Jesus as the son of God. He is the only way out. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So you need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You need to repent of all your sins, confess the name of Christ, and then be immersed in a watery grave of baptism so that all your sins can be washed away. Now let me tell you what, if you've been using this stuff right here in this bag, these things are called sins. And these things, they will destroy you eternally in a place that Jesus called hell. And trust me, you do not want to go to hell. The way out is Jesus. Obey the gospel. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life When the clouds unfold their wings of strife? When the strong tides lift and the cables strain Will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.